God is with us. What an amazing statement. What an amazing reality. God is with us. In an answered promise, realized dreams, and refreshed hope, how could we help but sing? Now, we've had an opportunity to do that already this morning, and so grateful to have uh, technology to help us sing praises to God. Now, I know we could just use our voices. I know we could do it the old-fashioned way, but it's so nice to have some guest worship leaders, and even though it's on video, it's still nice to be able to come into the house of the Lord, and to worship together in song, to praise him. But this series, as we kick off this Christmas season, and we have the first little bit of church decorating done already, as you can see by the beautiful window of penguins behind me, and uh, more to come, of course. But as we kick off this Christmas season, let us explore the songs that were born from our joy. That's right. Let us explore the songs or the carols that were born for our joy that Christ has entered our world. Not that Christ has entered the world. He has. That is what we're celebrating. But this Christmas season, it is my prayer that Christ would enter your world. And maybe he's already there. Or maybe he just needs another invitation from you. Christ, would you come into our world? That is the heart we want to take this day. And so we want to talk about the beautiful song, you probably already heard it, Oh Holy Night. And this is what it sounds like right now. No surprise, you've probably heard that carol before, Oh Holy Night. Let me tell you some information about that song, that beautiful Christmas carol. The song, Oh Holy Night, was written in the 1800s. What's interesting is that there was a parish priest who asked a guy in town who was actually a French merchant and poet, and his name was Placide Capot. Now, I'm really bad at French, but this is his name. The priest asked him, would you write a poem to Luke chapter 2? The interesting thing is, Placide was not only a poem author or a poet, but he was also not just a Christian, he was also a bit of a troublemaker, or what we would call a hell raiser. He was actually very far from God. Amazing. He didn't go to church at all, but he was a good poet. So Placide wrote this poem, and he loved it so much that he asked his friend, who was also not a Christian, to put the poem to music. And this song became so popular that it ran through the Catholic Church. It was played at all sorts of churches until a few years into it when everyone realized just who wrote the song and who did the music and they said, you have got to shut this song down. You have got to put an end to this. And by that time, it was too late. And the song was massively popular as it still is to this day. What an amazing story. Um, you know, who knows the end of those gentlemen's stories and where their journey of faith took them. But what an incredible story. But it doesn't end there. We have a Canadian connection to this song as well. Back in 1906, a university professor by the name of Reginald Fessenden, a 33-year-old professor at the time, uh, who he did what many people was considered to be impossible. He took kind of out of his own garage a makeshift generator, plugged in a microphone into it, and ran the very first broadcast on AM radio. 
It was the very first one in the history of the world. It took place on Christmas Eve of 1906. And in that microphone, he took Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and spoke into the microphone and broadcast, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken to the entire Roman world. And you can continue to read that chapter yourself later. He then read the Christmas story. He took out his violin, played into the microphone, and the very first song that ever played across AM radio airwaves in the history of the world was the song, O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars, they're brightly shining. It is the night of the dear dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, Till he appeared and his soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices. O night divine, the night that Christ was born. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. You can only imagine what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph to be there on that holy night. The manger scene, as it's set up, you know, and many of you, maybe you'll set it up on your, in your living rooms or somewhere in your house this Christmas. You'll have, you know, the little baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph, the donkeys and the cattle. And, you know, the, the cattle were lowing. Yes, whatever that means, the cattle were lowing. They were there. But it can be a real emotional draw as we anticipate what this moment means. But you can just think of what it was like being a teenage girl that Mary was with her fiancé, Joseph, navigating a crazy circumstance. Here they are, uh, engaged to be married. Mary's already pregnant. Uh, Lots of shame, lots of rumors, but she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So this is, you know, a God-divine appointed moment. And they're just navigating. And now they have to get on the back of a donkey and they have to go, you know, 80, 120 miles to Bethlehem so that Joseph can be counted and in an just incredible, incredible journey. Now, our first experience having kids was driving in a PT cruiser three blocks down the road. The next child came along and it was a minivan ride, an hour drive to Stratford. Now, the third one's the charm, because the third one involved a helicopter, a minivan, and another minivan ride, and an ambulance ride for my wife, of course. Uh, You know, still a far cry from a donkey. (laughs) You know, for the firstborn, I can remember the room being full of people. You know, we had, of course, your OB, we had... We had the surgeon, we had uh, everybody, and everybody in the room, we had nurses, and everybody seemed had a student, they had an assistant, and even the technician was there trying out a new piece of equipment, even he had an apprentice with him. I think there was close to 20 people in the room, and that wasn't including Elizabeth or myself. I'll never forget the third child, uh, just the chaos and the commotion, the excitement, all of these things taking place. And I'm sitting outside of the operating room, and Elizabeth's ready to have her C-section to take our third born out. And I'm, I'm there waiting to go in. And all of a sudden, this nurse comes flying through the door, stop, stop, stop. 
Don't, don't do anything. Just wait. I need somebody now. And she grabs the hand of the doctor and pulls him out of the OR and they run down the hall because another mother was imminently giving birth. And this nurse looked a little bit terrified and was like, we got to go right now. Just this pure sense of chaos, noise, and joy. And yet we, we always have this beautiful, quiet, still, holy night image, the night that Jesus was born. All that we know was there was Mary and Joseph and a donkey in a cave. And it's chaos. Things are not going as planned. You know, they've had this long 80, 120 mile journey on a donkey, nine months pregnant. You know, I saw a post today from a friend of mine that's expecting in the next month or two. And and she's like, man, I prayed for this. I grieved for this. I've, I've been on this incredible journey, and then it's so hard. I am done being pregnant. As much and thankful and grateful as I am, look, I'm just so done. Now, of course, guys, we have no idea what this is like, right? Saw a video a few weeks ago. The guy straps a watermelon to his, literally strapped a watermelon to his belly and, like, saran wrap, shrink wrapped himself to it, and he has to get out of bed, tie his shoe. It's hilarious and ridiculous, but it's just crazy chaos. All of this commotion to bring one little life into the world. You know, it's amazing that kids can still be born alive given just the complexity and the unknown that exists. You know, for thousands of years, humans have been delivering babies. And yet it's still so incredible the amount of care and professionals that it takes to ensure a healthy birth. To, to be ready in case things go wrong because anything can change in a split second. There's so much unknown. It just it amazes me every time. But in this song, Oh Holy Night, there's one phrase that I think we need to, to focus on and pick out today, and it's going to set us on a course this Christmas to finish off 2021 well. We're going to do that a few times over this series. Pick out a particular phrase and a popular Christmas carol and Learn how it helps us navigate the rest of this year. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Could you do me a favor? Since you're all watching this, can you just say it out loud or write in the comments? Say, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Weary world, I think that could be a very accurate description of where we are at today as a world. Uh, as we read newspapers, who reads a newspaper? As we watch the news, as we get through Facebook and Twitter and all of these things, and we learn about inflation, the cost of living, anxiety, depression, and struggling, and really what it comes down to, our world is just fighting to keep their heads above water. There's a lot of weariness around. But the weary world... There is a thrill of hope. There is a thrill of hope. In the chaos of this holy night, there is still hope. Many had hoped and wondered and waited for the day that the Messiah would come and enter this world. Be born on that day. Everything would be different moving forward. On that day that the Messiah was born, everything has changed. Nothing would remain the same. Suddenly, a weary world rejoices. Now, if there is any weary world in you, I pray that you would experience a thrill of hope right now. I pray that you would experience a thrill of hope this Christmas season. 
If there is any weary in you, we pray that you would be experienced with a full thrill of hope. Because even in the chaos of this night, there is a new and glorious morn. Every time you move forward, I want you not just to think about that holy night, but I want you to think about what happens the next day when the sun comes up. Let's focus on that new and glorious morning. Well, Pastor Gary, that's just, that's just you know, you being totally optimistic. Yeah, just focus on the positive. Just focus on the good. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, focus on the hope, the thrill of hope. Not just focus on hope, but there's a joy. There's an excitement. It's why we have Christmas carols. The songs, they share our excitement for the season. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. Focus on the new and glorious morning. You know, look at the mud in front of you. It's kind of like when I get stuck driving the quad. It's like, man, I'm in it good. I am stuck beyond belief. And then you try to get the winch and the winch jams. And, but you know that the dry land, the solid ground is just, it's all I got to do is get there. All I got to do is get right there. Focus on the new and glorious morning. We're going to head to the Old Testament. Someone say Old Testament. The book of Lamentations. Someone say Lamentations. Lamentations 3, 20 to 26. Now, if everything went according to plan this Sunday morning, someone at the beginning of service would have read this particular passage. Lamentations 3, 20 to 26. So if that didn't happen for some reason this morning, uh, after you know you're watching me speak here today, uh, would you do me a favor? Would you remember Lamentations three twenty to twenty six? And would you go ahead and read that another time? Okay, that would be fantastic. But we're going to go back to the Old Testament because the prophet Jeremiah writes this book around five hundred and eighty six BC, BC before Christ has come. And here's what's going on. Jerusalem has fallen. The people were in distraught, as you could possibly imagine, what would happen when your nation is now destroyed and taken over by somebody else. The prophet Jeremiah, he was lamenting, all right? I like to use this word, not just, it's like an extreme complaining, like a legitimized complaining. It's actually to help us in the grieving process. We need to lament. We need to sometimes sit in those dark moments and lament. We need to take time to grieve the loss. In fact, that's exactly what we are doing today, Elizabeth and I, this weekend. That's why we're not there with you in person, because as you would remember, uh, close to a year ago, our global workers, Jade and Julius Kenyu and Yera, uh, have gone through an incredibly challenging season where Jade passed away due to a stroke. And so we've taken time, you know, and taken time of healing and in our grief and in our weariness, I can only imagine as a parent, as a husband, as a spouse, as a son, what this season has been like. I don't know if I can imagine, honestly. But we take these moments to lament. We take these moments in our darkness, in our sadness, in our weariness. And we sit in those moments, but we don't stay in those moments. We look to the next day. A new and glorious morning. We know that the sun is going to come up. But in this moment, Jeremiah is lamenting. He's hurting, he's broken, and he pours everything out to God in Lamentations. And in chapter 3, where we're going to hit today, we see that there's a shift that takes place 
out of his grieving, out of his sadness, out of his weariness, where he moves from mourning to a moment of faith. And that is an important step that, step that we have to take. We have to be able to move from mourning into faith. I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet I call to mind, therefore I have hope. That's verse 20. Downcast within me, I call to mind, therefore I have hope. It's amazing what a new day with Christ will bring. I want to show three truths today that will help us navigate and experience the thrill of hope in a weary world that is in distress. Three things that we want to look at. A new day with Christ brings exactly what you need. A new day with Christ brings exactly what you need. Someone say need. A new day in Christ brings exactly what you need. I didn't say want, I said need. Because sometimes our wants and our needs do not align. Sometimes our wants go this way, but our needs are on the straight and narrow. Okay? And so... Christ brings exactly what we need, not what we want, because what we want is not always God's best. When we say that God is good, we are simply saying that, God, you are far above all things. God, your ways are better than my ways. And your ways, because they are good, means that your ways are the best. And so Christ gives us what we need, not always what we want. And so today I say to myself, As the preacher, sometimes the best preacher in your life, believe it or not, is you. Because this is exactly what Jeremiah does. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. No one likes waiting Snickers bars have been trying to help people wait for generations. Nobody likes waiting. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. This goes back many generations to Israel wandering the desert. Now, in case you don't know, there's not a lot of food that grows in the desert. And they wandered the desert for 40 years. And yet God made a way for the Israelites to eat. He gave them a daily portion of manna, a type of bread that they could eat. They could not hoard the bread. God said, I give you a daily portion. If they tried to save that bread, by the time the day was over and the night had come, that next morning, all of that manna that they had tried to save and hoard for themselves would be rotten. It would be no good because the next day was a new day. And God said, hey, I want you to learn that you're going to have to rely on me for a few things. I want you to learn how to rely on me to provide for your needs. How many of us think, God, you got me up on my feet. I got this. No, God wants us to come to him again and again and again and again and again. Because whose ways are better? His ways. Not our ways. Whose ways are best? His ways. Is he good? Yes, he is. The Lord is my portion. I need God every single day. The Lord is my daily portion. He is all I need. God is already in tomorrow. So don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there and he will bring what is needed tomorrow. If God is in tomorrow and you have a need, he's already there. If you don't know where your next meal is coming from, God is already there. 
You don't know what's happening with your job, with your kids, your marriage. Know that God is already in tomorrow. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, therefore, because he is my portion, I will wait for him. A new day with Christ brings exactly what we need. What you need in the presence of God. His strength, his power, his reality, his goodness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. Number two, this morning, a new day with Christ brings us hope to keep going. Don't stop. Hope to keep going. It's like running a marathon. If you want to complete the race, you don't stop. You keep going. It doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how weary you are. You keep going. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. It doesn't matter what darkness you face. There is a thrill of hope coming. It's the belief that a new morning is coming, even in the chaos of the night. Just imagine, once again, put yourself at that manger scene. A terrified teenage girl filled with hope that at the end of this journey, at the end of this process, there is a beautiful child that will be born. And from that moment on, things will never be the same again. In the chaos of the night, a new morning is coming. Keep going. The Lord is good to those who put their hope in him. Someone said this, and I think it is rather interesting. We as people can live 40 days without food. We can live eight days or so without water. We can live only four minutes without oxygen. But we can only live a few seconds without hope. What an incredible statement. I believe there are far too many people today, and especially in our world and in our own community, that are living in such a way that they're barely surviving because they have very little hope. They're struggling to find places to put their hope in. In fact, they're putting their hope in the wrong places. Now, there's some very helpful places that people have put their hope in, and there's some good things that have come, but it is not a lasting hope. Things like governments and food banks. Things like tarot card readings and fortune tellers. We put our hope in the wrong places sometimes. Put our hope, I think one of the worst places we put our hope, and now don't get me wrong, have some self-confidence, believe in yourself, but I think we put too much hope in ourselves. Put your hope in the Lord because he is good to those who put their hope in him. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who, promi- he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswaveringly, unwaveringly in the hope that we profess. Let us never stop holding on. Let us never stop keep going. That's kind of a weird sentence, I know. For he who promised is faithful. The challenge today is I believe there's, it's just it's so incredibly hard to let go. It's so incredibly hard to let go of the hope that we have. Because the hope we are holding on to, the, the hope that we're grabbing, grabbing onto, helps us overcome our fears, our anxieties, the challenges, everything that we face. Hang on to the promises of God and never let go. Don't lose hope because a new day with Christ brings us hope to keep going.
Number three, a new day with Christ brings us the help that we are seeking. Here's some really good news. Here's our thrill of hope today. A new day with Christ brings the help that you are seeking. Verse 26 says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, there are moments where we just want to cry out to God and we want to yell and we want to scream and God can handle that. You know, maybe it's good for us to take a drive or a hike and run into the bush and just let it all out. Maybe you need to run into your pillow at night and just bury yourself and just let it out. God can handle all that. But tell you this, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Some of us need to wait. Some of us need to have that moment of silence. Turn off the distractions. Turn off the noise. Maybe it just means putting on the headphones. Maybe it just means dimming the lights. Sitting in the moment of silence. It is good for those who wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes I think the silence really just means we need to stop talking. At least for some of us. I talk my way out of it. I've never been in a fight in my life. I talk my way out of it every time. But some of us, we need to sit in the silence. Because a new day with hope brings the help that we are seeking. You know, some of us need the salvation of our souls. And you need to know that. Maybe you're watching today. Maybe you come into the room this morning. And you just, you haven't found that hope in Jesus yet. And your soul is just longing for salvation. You're just longing for that moment where God would forgive you. This is your opportunity to experience hope. This is your opportunity to experience the help that you are seeking. As you take a moment, say, God, I've tried everything else. I've run out of options. I'm giving you this moment. I'm going to try this out. I'm coming to you. I'm done the screaming. I'm done the whining. I'm done the talking. I'm done the yelling. I've done the, I'm, I'm done fighting God. I'm here. I'm in this moment. I'm ready to receive the help that I need from you. Now, some of us, we've already been through that stage in our life. We've already been through that stage in our faith. We've made that commitment. God, here I am. I am yours. That doesn't mean we're not going to face heartache. That doesn't mean we're going to want to lament our situation sometimes. But maybe we need God to save us out of a difficult situation. Maybe we need him, need him to remind us that we are already saved even though we're walking through some dark waters. I want you to, to think, and I'm always amazed by this, but I want us to think about this and never lose sight of this thought. It's amazing, it's unbelievable that you can't fathom what a difference with one day with Christ can make. Think of Lazarus. Spends the day in the tomb for four days. In fact, if you read the old King James version of the Bible, he was in the tomb so long it says that he stinketh. <laughs> he stinketh. He was in there long enough he started to smell. Four days of death. It only took one day with Christ to bring him alive. There was a woman who had a bleeding disorder for 12 years. 
12 years she suffered in pain and agony. 12 years she had to put up with the embarrassment and the shame and the uncleanliness of her disease. 12 years. One day with Christ changes everything for her. A man 38 years old, his entire life he was unable to walk. He sat at the pool of Bethsaida, Bethesda, Bethsaida, Bethesda. His entire life, he sits at this pool. He can't walk. Jesus comes up to him and says, take up your mat and walk. Jesus, in one day out of 38 years, makes the difference. The hour, the day has arrived for you too, my friends. The day has arrived for us to completely put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ alone and no one else. Because one day with Christ makes the difference. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. A thrill of hope, the world, weary world rejoices. Take a moment this afternoon. Take a moment this coming week as you prepare for next week's message. Take a moment and have a thrill of hope in the middle of the weariness of this world. In the middle of the brokenness of this world, take a moment and experience a thrill of hope. Maybe it's hard right now, but tomorrow is coming. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing the song again. May the Lord bless you. May, the, may his face shine upon you. May the Lord keep you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.